Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Gospel. My name is Kyle, and the scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. morning. Thank you. A few of you were paying attention there. You know, this year, unfortunately, I've spent a fair amount of time in hospitals, and every time you go to a hospital for a surgery, they give you a stack of paperwork you need to fill out, right? They give you this paperwork to have permission to do surgery, right? So let's pray to start with. Let me get to the right spot here. Let's pray. And ask God, give him permission to do surgery on our hearts today. Dear Jesus, we love you. We can't live without you, Lord. We give you permission. We ask you to come and do surgery on us. We ask you to change our hearts and minds, clear our minds. We ask you to Do only what you can only do, God. We can't, fancy words don't do anything. It is your spirit moving in us that changes, and we ask you to do that for us today. Amen. Okay, we're continuing the Sermon on the Mount today. Um, We're coming to a passage that many of us have heard, actually a couple passages, ask, seek, knock, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Those are things we're very familiar with. Actually, you could probably even ask people outside of the church, and they'd be very familiar with those things. But sometimes we don't take it seriously. Sometimes we read it on a wall, and we're like, oh, that's nice. Put our hand to our heart. Oh, isn't that a great saying? But what we're asking for today is to look at it in the context and see how radical, how life-changing these things are. The Sermon on the Mount is not just something to make us feel good. It is a living power that God works in us. He brings about greater righteousness. Jonathan Pennington said that um, the Sermon on the Mount is not so much a string of pearls that are each independent from one another, but a chain that are connected to the passage before and the passage after. So we're going to take these familiar passages and we're going to connect it to what was talked about previously. We're going to understand them in the context. We're not going to just read it outside separately. We're going to look at it where it was. So we're going to look at four things today. First is why is the passage here in scripture? Why is it where it is? Second, we're going to ask what is he asking of us? 
Then we're going to look at how are we to do it and who will this benefit. That's our agenda for today. Hope you're excited about it. All right, so first, why is the passage here? We start the passage covering today in verse 7, but we're going to read verse 6 to get that context. And it's also kind of a fun verse. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. That is the Bible for you right there. It doesn't hold back anything. It uses analogy. It talks. It teaches us things. So what does that mean? Tom did an excellent job last week talking about judging and how we judge a person, who they are. And instead, we should take a step back and look at ourselves and look at the stick in our own eye, which, by the way, is an analogy that will stick with me forever. I'm a little grossed out by that, but I appreciate it nonetheless. He did an excellent job talking about that. So where does this whole dogs and pigs and pearls things come into play? Well, what are the pearls? The pearls are the wisdom and love of God that pull us from our sinful ways. When you are going to your brother with some sort of, uh, hey, you need, I saw this in your life, and I don't believe it should be there type of situation, that's the pearl, right? That's, the, that's God pulling us from our sinful ways through our brothers. But what about the pigs? And what about the dogs? Well, often that is us. It's often our brother comes to us and says, hey, I see this. It shouldn't be there in your life. And you're like, well, you do this or you do that. I don't like that. We don't like it when people tell us we're doing things wrong. We don't like to be convicted. We're not ready for it. You might have the best words possible. You might have beautiful, eloquent words of truth to share with me. But if my heart is not in the right place, it doesn't mean anything. It's like pearls that are trampled under the feet. I'm not ready to hear it. My heart's not in the right place. So what are we to do with that? And there we get to our passage for today. Ask, seek, and knock. You know, as an analogy, I, um, by day, am an HR manager. Anyone know what an HR manager does? We spend a lot of our time working in the worst parts of people's lives at work. The things that are not going well, the employees that are struggling. And you know what I found is that managers have agonized over the right things to say, the right words to say to their employee, and they say it, and it's like, oh, that was powerful. And what happens? Often, nothing. Nothing happens. Most situations I have at work where someone's not doing what they're supposed to, do they change? No, they really don't. I would say almost 90% of the situations, it doesn't change no matter how much we plead with the person to say, hey, you're putting your job at stake here. Nothing changes. Why? Why? Is it the words? Were our words wrong? No. Actually, the managers do a really good job of that. Listen to Proverbs 15, 31 and 32. One who listens to the life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. 
And anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. Proverbs is full of those passages. Why? Because we need to hear it. We're not willing to hear where we need to change, where we need to do things differently. I don't get it. Why don't people listen? Why don't people change? Who changes people? Is it your words? Do you say things well enough? Do you have the golden tongue to change people's minds? No, you don't. The Holy Spirit is who changes people. Him and him alone. He's the one that delves into our hearts and changes us. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God says I. Not, hey, you, other people will change your heart. No, he does the work. Here we get to our passage. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Do you see the connection now? Without the Holy Spirit, we're all just going to be dogs and pigs trampling the truth under our feet. So when we have to talk to our brother, when we have to say something that's going to be hard, and we should, what do we do? We ask, we seek, and we knock. That's what we do. How many of us are going to put more stock into our words? You're going to spend more time thinking about what do I say and how do exactly do I say it? Better that you spend your time on your knees asking God, oh God, please change me. Change my brother. Change their hearts. Help us not to get into a place of pain in our relationship, but may this work out for your glory. That's where we should be spending our time. Asking, seeking, and knocking. You know, you could take that, you could take the, pas- the passage and the fact that God's the one that changes hearts, and you could say, well, I guess I don't have much responsibility. I don't have to do anything. All I do is go and tell my brother what they're doing wrong, and God has to do the rest. And how often is that what we really say afterwards when it doesn't go well? Well, I did my piece. I said what needed to be said. And I feel good about that. Meanwhile, my brother's over here struggling, weeping. God asks us to ask, seek, and knock. You know, if I'm sitting at a table... Or if I have to ask you and say, hey, um, I'd like to have a conversation with you. You mind coming over here, sitting at this table? What happens? First of all, the person has a panic attack, right? They're going to freak out. Second, you sit across the table from them, and you start to tell them whatever it is that hurt, and their blood pressure rises, the fear rises, doesn't go very well. We're brothers and sisters. Should we be across the table from each other at all? We should be sitting next to each other. We should be working through my brother's sin together. Your brother, your sister should see you take the stick out of your eye so that when you go to them, they know you know what it feels like. That is what should happen. A uh, quick example from a previous church. 
um, there was a young woman that came into the church, wasn't um, maybe dressed as a professionally as what everyone else was, came in, hadn't been to the church before, and the attire of that person made some people uncomfortable, and so afterwards, uh, a woman went up to her and said, hey, you know, probably in a nice way, hey, I, you know, maybe you should dress a little bit differently. Guess what happened? Do you think that woman came away feeling loved, appreciated, and cared for? First interaction you're going to have with a church is to come in and say, you need to dress differently? You need to do something differently? No. Woman comes away feeling ashamed and lonely. And man, I don't even know what to wear going to church anymore. I don't know what to do. Now I have to worry about what I look like when I walk into church. Is that what we want? We want to just say our piece and point out where everyone else is falling short? I don't think so. So that's why this passage is where it's at. You know, Jesus also uses the same passage. He uses ask, seek, and knock in other parts of the Bible. And there are other contexts. But why is it here? For that reason, because we need it there. When we're convicted, when our brother is struggling with something, we need that passage there. That is why it's there. So now, what are we to do about it? Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Those are three descriptions. There is no indication that those are three different things, but rather three different ways to look at the same thing. So let's look at that, those three different ways. First of all, asking. Let's say you want to go to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Maybe I want to go to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I haven't been there. I haven't seen it yet. And I went, I was going to go to the movie with a friend. I go to the movie. This didn't actually happen, by the way. But anyway, you go to the movie with a friend. You get there. The friend doesn't show up. Why? Because you didn't ask. And we laugh, and that's ridiculous, right? But how often do we do that with God? We say to God, hey, um, I'm going to go have a difficult conversation with somebody, um, but we don't ask him to show up. We don't ask him to be there. We just think, oh, it's implied. God's with me all the time. I, it's implied. What relationship do you know that works on implication? Without speaking, without asking. I know God could be there, and he often does. He shows up anyway. But we need to ask. God, please show up. Be there in that relationship. I don't know how to say what I'm going to say. You know, today, I don't know how I'm going to say what I'm going to say. God, show up. I was convicted of that as I went through this. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm putting together the right words. I'm doing all this stuff. But no, I really need to spend time just asking God to do it. You're not going to remember my words. You're going to remember what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. That's it. That's what's important. Second, seek. Parents, I think you'll appreciate this. How often does a kid come up to you and say, hey, I can't find my shoes. Where are my shoes? And as a parent, what do you say? Wherever you left them, why don't you look for them? And then this is what a child does. I don't see them. I don't see my shoes. Is that really seeking? Or an unnamed person in my household where you 
get in the, you open the fridge and you say, honey, where's the mayo? It's a two foot by two foot area. It's got to be in there somewhere. But I'm not seeking. I'm looking for the easiest possible way out. I'm looking for the mayo without actually having to seek. And so I'm in, you know, I mean, did I say it was me? No, unnamed person in my household that does that occasionally. Are we seeking or are we looking the easy way out? Just assuming everything's going to come to us in the moment when we're going to talk to our brother or even just normally in life. Every situation that comes, are we seeking the Lord in that context? Or are we just hoping, kind of without even thinking about it, that God will show up and do something? I hope we're seeking. Or knocking. Let's think about knocking before traveling vacuum salesmen, okay? And let's think about knocking before political people come to your house to do surveys on who you're going to vote for. When do you knock? When do you knock? Usually, when you're going to a friend's house, you're going to someone's house that you care about, you knock because you have every indication that the door's going to be open. Someone's expecting you. Someone's going to be excited to see you and invite you in. Guess what? God is excited and ready for you to knock on the door. He's ready to invite you in. He's ready to have the conversation with you. I picture him with coffee and donuts because I really love coffee and donuts. He's always ready. He's ready for you to come at any time to have the conversation. Are you utilizing that? He's not annoyed if you're the neighbor that comes over every single day. That's not him. He wants you to come over. He wants you to knock. These are active, intentional words. Things that we do. We ask, if you're going to go to an expert, let's say you're in college and you're in a math class and math was really hard for me, so I'm using math, and you're like, I don't get it. You go to the expert and you ask and you ask and you ask and then you ask and you ask until you actually figure it out, right? You don't just ask once, well, thanks, see ya. That's not going to help you do math well. There's probably better terms for math, but that's, you know, you know, that's as far as I got in like ninth grade math. They're active, intentional words. This is our life. This is breathing, asking, seeking, and knocking of our Lord and Savior. Instead, oftentimes, we take that priceless treasure of truth in front of our brother and we throw it on the ground. What do you do with something super valuable? Can you think of something that's really valuable to you? What do you do? You take good care of it, right? You know, when I was young, I collected a lot of baseball cards, so much so that I have, like, thousands of baseball cards in the basement that are worth absolutely nothing. They are not worth anything. But some baseball cards that I really liked, what did I do? I got out, I, I went and bought those little plastic cases that you could see through, and I carefully slid them in there. And then I, or I put them in a book that could only be opened so that I could look at them but not actually injure the baseball cards. I protected the baseball cards, Right? Are we doing that with God's word? Are we doing that when we're talking to somebody else? Or are we using them out of context? In our society, we use God's word as a hammer. We put it out on social media just to rile people up, get people angry. We don't protect it. 
Oh, that would I pray that that is not us. I pray that that is not us. I pray that we hold very carefully God's word. I pray that we're careful when we bring it to our brothers and sisters. I'm not saying don't say it. I'm saying be careful. Ask, seek, and knock of our Lord because he's the only one that can change hearts. That is what we are to do. Ask, seek, and knock. Okay, what about the how? How are we to do that? Let's read it, verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts good things to those who ask him. There's a lot here, but we're going to focus on the how of those asking. We are to remember that God is not like our earthly fathers who do give us good things, but they do it still with sin on the side, right? How many times have I tried to do something for my kids and even then in the back of my mind, something, I'm, I'm annoyed with them or I'm, Something is wrong. I'm sinful in how I respond, but God is not like that. He's not like that at all. He's perfect. He knows exactly what we need, and notice it is what we need. They're asking for bread and fish. I personally think fish is disgusting, but in that day and age, fish and bread were the primary foods of the Galileans. That's what they ate person's not asking for what they want. They're not asking for a million dollars or a million denarius or whatever. I don't know. They're not asking for that. They're asking for what they need, and God knows what we need. He knows exactly what we need. Think, about, think back to earlier parts in your life where you had these desires. I can think of, um, oh, I really want to be popular. I really wanted this. I really wanted this girl to like me. I really wanted this or that growing up. And guess what? I am so glad that that did not work out. But it's what I thought I needed. I needed this. Oh, I'm so glad God knows what he's doing. Doesn't that give you hope? You can't mess that up. He knows what you need and when you need it. Or think about the opposite. Think of some terrible things that you've done that should have destroyed you and consumed you. Oh, but God, he had grace and mercy for you. He stepped into your life and turned those things, those horrible things for good. That is the God we go to. He goes to great pains here to point out that he is a loving, good, generous, kind father. So how are we to ask and seek and knock? In full knowledge and full faith of who God is, who he says he is, and how much he has done for us. That is how we are to ask. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we take that out of context. In this passage, Paul is talking about suffering. He doesn't say, hey, God, just take away my suffering. 
It says, hey, I ask and I seek and knock because I know that you are going to use that suffering for good. James 1.3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Do we trust God? In this, we talked earlier, this is about, this context is around serving our brother and talking to our brother when they're going through hard things, when they're struggling with something, right? And it at least has something to do with that. But it is in all other contexts too. Are you seeking God? Are you asking God? Your first response when something goes wrong or something goes right, what is it? Is your first response to turn to your loving dad the person that is perfect and knows exactly what you need, do you run to him a hundred times a day? That is the Christian life. It isn't living independently. It's running to our Father over and over. We are to trust him fully. That is what we are to do. That is how we do it, in faith, in trust, in our loving, perfect, and wonderful God. Finally, Who's going to benefit? Read with me at verse 11. If you, are, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and how much, more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Does that make sense to you? He's talking about you, and he gives you good gifts. And then he says, oh, by the way, do unto others as you would do it, have them do unto you. Is that, does that seem weird to you? He's not even talking about other people. He's talking about me and my father, right? And so just so that you can't separate those things, you can't say that they're two different passages, he even throws in therefore. Therefore. There is no doubt those are connected. He immediately turns us back to others. In case you lost the thought of the previous, hey, this is what you do with your brother, you talk to him and you ask and seek and knock on their behalf, he brings us right back to it. This is for our brother. God blesses us so that that blessing can go through to other people, period. That's what he does. Our blessings, he blesses us to go through us to other people we are reminded that we are in this together. In American culture, we think we're all on our own. We're not. We are in this together. You are spiritually invested or should be spiritually invested in the person to your left and your right. Everyone in this body, you should be spiritually invested in them. You should be praying for them, maybe not all at the same time. I know that's a lot of people. But pray for your brothers and sisters. Seek and knock for their good. And you know what? Maybe they'll sink and knock for your behalf. If you are struggling with something, you've got blinders you don't see, what would you want your brother and sister to do? Wouldn't you want them to tell you? But wouldn't you want them to tell you after seeking long and hard their Savior and asking, God, how would I say this? Oh, I pray that our relationship grows as a result of this. Isn't that what you would want? Isn't that the context of this verse? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I, we, we don't get to just, we're brothers and sisters here. We're one family. We don't get to just ignore what's going on. 
if someone does have sin in their life and is really struggling, it's not for us to ignore, but it's also not for us to take that super carelessly and go to them and say, hey, stop that, stop that, stop that. It's not to do that. May we seek. May we pray for one another. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone because you are seeking after God. Can you live at peace with others? You're asking, seeking, knocking. You know, you might not get success with that. It might not go well. It may, someone might still blow up. I can think of many times where people have said something to me about what I've done wrong, and I can't think of all that many times where I've handled it super well. Let's, it's okay. But keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, even after. Restore that relationship, even though I had to point out something hard. That's what we do. We're in the mess. We're in the mess of each other's lives. We're there. We're with them. We're not across the table from them. We're with them, alongside them, pulling stick after stick out of our own eye, helping the brother find the speck in their own. That's what we do. Final analogy, and then we'll end. Okay, put your hands out like this. Everyone put your hands out like this. Now imagine you're holding a pillow with two rings on it. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Also, you all just look ridiculous. I don't know why you're doing that. No, but if you're doing this, right, think of yourself as a ring bearer. Those are two massively important things. Family heirlooms that will last forever, right? And you, in your toddler way, are going to carry that up there. You might trip and fall, but you're carrying it so carefully, it's not about you at all. You're going to do your part. You're going to take that truth, that love, and that grace. You're going to offer it to the pastor and the bride and the groom, and your part is done. But you carry it carefully. You put it on a pillow. You don't just hang on to the pillow, although I have seen ring bearers do that, right, where they just hang the pillow like this, and, right? Let's not be like that. God has given you exactly what he's given you to bless others. The things that he's put in your life, the words of wisdom. So let's carefully take that. Let's carefully take it to our brother and sister out of love for them, seeking the best for them, knocking on God and asking him over and over and over again, oh, bless my brother. Help us through this. I got to say something tough. Help us get through this. All right, I have a few reflection questions and we're going to move to uh, communion. I'm going to pray I'm gonna, um, and then I'm going to ask for silence for just a, about a minute or so. Here's the questions. Do you take every opportunity to ask, seek, and knock? Is that your norm? Are you doing that consistently in every situation that you're going to have with your brother or sister? I don't care if you are telling them something that's difficult or easy. Are you praying, asking, seeking, knocking? We prayed this morning an equipping hour for those impossible prayers. Are you asking, seeking, and knocking for others? Second, what is your heart posture before God? 
Is it in faith and in trust? Or is it in distrust and worry? Are you going to trust him when you have hard things to say? And, sec- and thirdly, does God's blessing stop with you? When he blesses you, he gives you those pearls. Does it stop with you? Are you hoarding those pearls? Or are you passing it through to others? Let me pray. Oh, dear Lord, I thank you that you have given us to one another. You have asked us to build a radical new nation separate from the world that looks out for one another, that cares for one another. God, may our lives not be just living by the implication that you are in us, but may we constantly be seeking when we're driving, when we're sitting, when we're eating, when we're thinking. May we be seeking you and you, your blessing to flow through us to other people. I do pray, Lord, that now as we have a moment, I pray that you would convict our hearts, that you would do surgery. May these not just be words, but do what only you can do and change our hearts. Replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. In your name we pray. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.